0: and scholars you are listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com hey slutty
1: scholars satisfier is sponsoring this segment of the show in celebration of masturbation may Satisfier is offering lucky listeners 40% off and free shipping for all app-enabled devices when you go to satisfier.com and enter code S&S40 at checkout. If you can't tell already from listening to the podcast, I think self-love is important every month, but let this be a reminder to take care of you. If you haven't listened to my first ever Sluts and Scholars episode, go back and give it a listen. Me and my past co-host Simone talk about how we figured out masturbation. It's something that young humans figure out early on because it feels good. We talk about this in that episode as well and how creative a lot of people are in figuring out self-pleasure. I invite you all to be this creative in finding new ways of experiencing pleasure. For me, it was the pole at the park. I figured out that if I wrapped my legs around it and clenched and released my muscles for long enough that this awesome sensation would happen. I didn't know at the time I was having an orgasm, but it was a workout, so I called it my exercising. Since then, masturbation has been a key part of my life. It's great for tension release, relaxation, confidence, manifesting, learning more about my body, self-care, my relationship, the list goes on. Yes, you heard that right. It is important to self-pleasure even when you're in a relationship or especially when you're in a relationship. When we are confident in our ability to masturbate and explore our bodies, we can take some of the pressure off of our partners to be responsible for our pleasure. It expands the range of pleasure to be a collaborative effort, and it can ultimately help a couple see the unlimited potential to sourcing pleasure in their relationship. When we're cut off from exploring our own bodies, there's this unspoken insecurity and dependence on others to please us, and it makes pleasure something outside of our reach. Our relationship to pleasure is woven into our unique human experience, and tuning in regularly into our own pleasure can help us understand ourselves better. Many of us were taught that self-touch is shameful and wrong, but research shows that those who engage in self-touch regularly actually have healthier relationships, a stronger sense of boundaries, and are happier in the long term. Now, there are so many ways that I like to do it depending on my mood and desires, but one of my favorites is to use my Curvy 2 Plus Pleasure device from Satisfier. I love the sensation of the air pulse plus the vibration technology. It's ergonomic, so it's great to hold in my hand. And when I connect it to the Satisfier Connect app, I can track my pleasure or share it with a partner. And this device now lives in my nightstand and is a staple of my self-care routine. To celebrate Masturbation May, Satisfyer, again, is offering lucky listeners 40% off and free shipping for all app-enabled devices when you go to satisfier.com and enter code S&S40 at checkout. Again, if you're looking for one of our favorite new devices, go to s and a-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R dot com and use code S A N D s N S forty for 40% off and free shipping. Now to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. SLUTS and Scholars is a sex positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Ellie. Ellie is an asexual sex worker. She's dabbled in a range of online services, from camming to OnlyFans to phone sex operator. While her sexuality self-admittedly appears ironic, she loves exploring the limitless world of sex, kink, and everything that makes people horny. She's 21 Canadian and an avid jigsaw puzzle collector. That's a crucial piece. Welcome, Ellie.
0: Hello, hello. (laughs)
1: Hello. Okay, so tell me, how do you define asexual? Because I, I mean, so many people on what I would say the ace spectrum, uh, maybe have different experiences for themselves. What does asexuality mean to you?
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's different for everybody. So there's a whole spectrum of uh, of asexuality, like there is any other sexuality. And for me, it basically means that I'm pretty open. to you know sexual contact and being sexual with people but for the most part i don't really have the like the the desire for specific people like i don't when i'm at the mall or i'm out somewhere i don't look at a stranger and think about having sex with them or think about them naked so i absolutely like i think sex is really cool really interesting and it's another dimension of the human experience but it's not something that i specifically crave with specific people Mm.
1: And when did you know that that was how you were feeling or that that was even a thing?
0: I mean, you know, I was like a, like a young teenager on Tumblr when I, you know, that was really big. And so I was kind of introduced to the idea when I was a little bit younger. But, you know, I kind of thought maybe this is a phase, you know, I'm still growing, I'm still becoming a person. So and I dated people, you know, in high school and college. So I just kind of assumed I was Heterosexual to some extent, or just on some sort of you know feeling of sexual attraction for some be- some people. Uh, but really, uh, it was rest- the last couple months that you know I've been in quarantine. I've been online a lot more, and I found myself back in these asexual spaces online. And I would read about people's experiences and think about or, you know their experience of how they view other people, how they ha- interact with the world, and it just made a lot of sense. It just made way more sense than anything that I've ever had explained to me, I guess. And so that really was an eye-opening.
1: So it just felt right, like in your body.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think a lot of people have that experience where they go online and they realize that other people feel like they do and that the way that they feel isn't un- necessarily unique to them, but also isn't weird or it isn't unusual or doesn't mean there's anything necessarily wrong with you. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I love that you said doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, because I definitely see a lot of folks in my therapy practice who are coming in because they have like low libido or no desire or aren't wanting to connect with a partner. Um, And sometimes that could be due to issues in the relationship to past trauma to, um, I mean, a multitude of factors, hormones. So what do you feel like is the difference for you of knowing that this is like, just who you are and a normal part of your experience versus like something that. Is wrong and needs to be worked on
0: yeah well and i mean that's kind of for a lot of people i think where the not the issue comes in but the question comes in and uh so something that is very big especially in sexual spaces is being really specific about your language and parsing out exactly why you feel the way you do and what vocabulary you can use to explain that like there's different kinds of attraction outside of sexual attraction like you know you have romantic attraction sometimes people's romantic Uh, orientation doesn't exactly align with their sexual orientation. And so libido and sexuality are two different things. You know, you can be really, really, really horny all the time in just like a primal body, monkey brain kind of way. And it doesn't necessarily reflect you wanting to have a lot of sex with maybe like one specific person. You know, if you get really horny and you're, you know, watching porn or you want to have sex with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever, uh, that animal urge is sometimes separate from the specific person you want to have sex with. And so your libido can change and flow. And so sexual people masturbate, they have sex, you know, the pipes all still work, everything still feels good. So it's not an issue of that I don't feel anything. It's just that when I interact with other people, I just don't have the desire to have sex with them or like the inclination to even think about sex with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I explain it to folks, I mean, just kind of what you said, I kind of differentiate between uh, desire and arousal. So arousal, like you said, is this physical component where, I mean, sometimes it's sexual, sometimes it's not, it could also be like arousal in other ways. Like my heart is racing, just like a physical body response versus a thing in your brain and your mind and your soul, whatever that is like, I want this thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, there's like a lot of people that I imagine want to have more sex than they're having with their partner. I'm sure that's probably an issue. <laughs> Literally, day. everyone I see. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's you know a big issue. And it is different. Like the your physical desire to act out sex and have sex with somebody can be different than your feeling about them. You know, like you might love your wife or love your husband and want to be with them, but that doesn't always necessarily translate into acting on a sexual urge.
1: Sometimes I hear folks who like aren't having the desire that when they do, I don't want to say push themselves, but yeah, maybe push or force themselves to have sex because of others' expectations or whatever, then it, you know, it doesn't feel good and it makes them want to avoid it more. So knowing knowing for you, if there isn't a desire, do you enjoy, it sounds like you do enjoy that area of your life and what, what makes it enjoyable if it's not like initially desired?
0: Yeah. Well, so there's a kind of a, diff- a couple different components to that. Partially for me, how I personally view sex is that it's another way to express your love and affection and feelings for somebody. You know, I kind of had a phase where I was, you know, not in a specific relationship with anybody, but I had friends and we would you know, make out sometimes and cuddle and sit on the couch together and be a little bit more physically intimate than most friends would be but that was just another dimension of my relationship with them it wasn't that i wanted to have a like a boyfriend girlfriend relationship with them it was i like you and i like spending time with you and i know that you probably enjoy spending time with me and if that also includes you know kissing and cuddling or being sexual that's just another dimension of it and as well as that feedback loop of kind of making yourself go into sex and the I've absolutely dealt with that, you know, even not, even I don't think even related to the sexuality, just being with people that, you know, don't care so much about how, how you feel and what you want. Mm-hmm. And that can happen in any relationship, I'm sure, regardless of how much attraction there is, you can be manipulated or, you know, made uncomfortable in any sort of way. But what I found really interesting is that there's kind of a difference between some people's libidos are more reactive and some are more proactive. And I'm sure you're familiar with this where some people, once they're in the moment of, you know, the lights are low and the candles are on and the music is on, then yeah, like it, they're in the environment and it helps you relax and get really, you know, get horny. Yeah.
1: On the podcast, I call it responsive versus spontaneous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that might be like the proper, is probably the proper term for it.
1: I mean, I like, I kind of like your way of explaining it. and I'm always looking for new, ways to call things so that like my clients understand so it's not as like therapist talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like one is a little bit more reactive and the other one is a little bit more proactive. Whereas yeah. for other people and uh, they actively seek out sex, you know, people actively seek out one night stands and, you know, friends with benefits because they actively want to have sex with some people. They're cool with having sex if they're in the situation, but people don't always necessarily go out and seek those situations all the time.
1: Does that help? What do you think some additional maybe misconceptions are that you've maybe heard or experienced around asexuality? I mean, I heard that the first one is like, I can still desire connected relationships. Yeah. I can still get pleasure and have pleasurable physical experiences. And I can still be interested in some kind of sexual exploration in yeah, my life.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's something that I have found personally really interesting You know, with being online and seeing other people's experiences, and so sorry.
1: Oh, all good. That's what the editing's for. Good.
0: Uh, (laughs) And the seeing people online uh, talk about their experience of asexuality and having other people in the comments say, well, that's how I feel, but I don't think I'm asexual. Like something uh, specifically, demisexuality. Mm-hmm. Demisexuality mm-hmm. is when you are only able to form sexual attraction to somebody that you already have a close relationship with. So, say it's like your friend or your co- or, you know your coworker or whoever. And as you build a relationship with them, then sexual feelings can develop. That's a type of asexuality. But you see, you know, at least it, like you know from the selection bias of people online, there are a lot of people that feel that way. And just assume that because, you know, if they're a woman and they, through an emotional connection, eventually uh, are sexually attracted to men, that they're just heterosexual. Mm. But, you know, like, there's a lot of people that go to the mall and see a stranger and think about having sex with them. And so if you don't, you know, have that component, that might indicate something about you that you maybe haven't explored. And. yeah. Something really that I love about the asexual community is that there's not a lot of gatekeeping. People are really, really open to it's really about how can you describe for yourself how you feel. You're just using a vocabulary to help yourself understand what you're feeling and maybe why you feel that way. You know, it's not bad to be demisexual where you are only, you know, forming these sexual attractions to somebody after maybe six months of dating. But if you can identify that in yourself and think about that and apply that to your life and your relationships, that's probably more helpful than just kind of waddling around life and hoping that you hit the right thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously a big component of that is like potential shame, not having the knowledge. But yeah, definitely I, I like what you said about the gatekeeping because every time I talk to a client about any kind of support thing whether that be like a support group or information their first response is like do i have a space here will i be welcome is there a platform am i asexual enough yeah. am i traumatized enough am i and i'm not saying asexual people are traumatized but i mean yeah. whatever the support whatever is, is it's, like am it's- i x enough yeah um, and then they avoid that support because they think like i don't have a space here and someone's gonna tell me i don't belong
0: Yeah. And I think that really is something that for all, like you said, all sorts of spaces, people feel that way. feel like they're not going to be accepted. And that's something that I really appreciate about the online asexual community is that people openly will say like, you know, if asexuality is just a phase for you, if you realize later on that you do feel sexual attraction to people or that you, you want to update your, your label for yourself in a way that better describes you, like, that's awesome. That's fine. You know, life is long, Things are fluid, and you know, like obviously, there's the stereotype of like bisexuality being a phase, and I'm sure for some people somewhere, it probably is. You know, just like any other thing in your life, as life goes on, things update. You know, your hormones change, your your life changes, and things ab- and the way that you think and the way that you feel, it all updates. And so, it's okay that if at this point in your life right now, that's who, how you identify. But in five years or 10 years, you don't feel that way anymore. That That's okay. Everyone else is moving on and doing different things too. It's
1: always hard to like find that balance between Acknowledging this fluidity and not letting that be like a loophole for people to be like oh you can change yeah, you know what I mean of to course, like of shame course. sexuality Absolutely. it's like such a like I totally get that and I totally agree and to folks who deny bisexuality and gayness and queerness who say like oh well this is a, a choice and you can change it and it's bad it's like how no. do we get them to
0: understand both yeah it's no so, I, I don't mean to say that whatsoever obviously oh
1: no I know it's just like it's so uh it's so convoluted, and it's hard to acknowledge the fluidity while also validate that it's not something that's maybe a choice. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. Like for me, with sexuality and labels and stuff like that, it's just a way for me to understand how I feel and a way yeah. to identify that. And if you don't want to use that language to identify the way that you feel, that's okay. But yeah. Like, uh, you know, for, at least with asexuality specifically, uh, there's a really big emphasis on understanding different kinds of attraction. You know, there's aesthetic attraction. There's sensual attraction. There's romantic.
1: Ooh, say, say say more. Go more into it.
0: <laughs> there's romantic and platonic. And uh, there's all different kinds of ways that you can feel attracted to people. You know, the way that you feel about your friends isn't the same way that you feel about your partner and isn't the same way that you feel about your family. But you still love them and are drawn to them for different reasons and in different ways. Mm. and something that I try to use to kind of describe how I experience my, because I've been in relationships, I've had sex with boyfriends, I have been in awesome relationships, and I love the people that I've been with, you know, when I've been with them. For me, how I describe uh, my attraction to people that I want to be in relationships with, obviously, there's a level of romantic attraction where I want to have a romantic relationship with them. Or, you know, if you really want to be someone's friend and, you know, sometimes you just have that you meet somebody and you're like, I really want to be their best friend. You just think they're cool. You think they're interesting. You think they're fun. There's something about that. That's that's different than wanting to have sex with them, but is also another form of attraction. And for me, um I feel a lot of like sensual attraction. I really like, <laughs> I think like I like I want to make out with boys, <laughs> or I mm. want to make out with people. I like that's kind of the extent to which my brain goes. But yeah, and what does that feel? What does that feel like? Like the sensual attraction? I think it's like the desire to be physically close with somebody and you know, mm. touch them and cuddle them and caress them yeah. and have a more intimate, sensual experience rather than a sexual one. Yeah. And for me, that line between sexual and sensual isn't super harsh. It's a little bit more gray, like I imagine it is for most people. I imagine most people are sitting there parsing out exactly what the distinction between wanting to cuddle someone and wanting to touch genitals with them. It's not a hard line. Mm. Um So it kind of is a little bit more fluid for me. And I don't mind indulging in that because I know it makes them feel really good. And I love to make other people feel good.
1: And so is that how you kind of differentiate between like friendship and romance is like, Oh, I'm wanting to have like sensual connection with this person. Like what is what does romance look like to you? Because I I think when I think of it, I think of like romance novels, and romance novels have a lot of fucking, a lot of sex, <laughs> uh, a lot of sensuality too. Um, but like, what is yeah, what is romance to you? What does that feel like in, in your body? What is that desire? I
0: guess uh, I mean it's really it's the romance book, but without the explicit sex scenes necessarily, right? You know, mm. there's that's the kind whole, of my
1: favorite part though, honestly. Is the build-up?
0: Is yeah. you know, you spend a lot of time in a ro- in a romance novel like building up, and there's the chase and there's the you know they can't be with each other and all of those components are still there and so i guess for me romance is you know when you see on twitter those tweets of people with their big rose bouquets and their flower petal walked ways and the candles and you know like the flexing twitter relationship crap uh that like the aesthetics of that are absolutely romance more than they are sex and so you know being with a somebody in a long-term relationship is so much more than having sex with them you know it's spending days with them you know traveling together is, uh, like my boyfriend and I we are in sync like he knows what I want for lunch and what like size do I want for lunch and he's it's about getting to know a person having a life and a connection and yeah. uh, experiences with that person outside of just I want to put my dick in them. So that's the only reason I spend time with them. Well, I think a lot of people who aren't, who don't identify as asexual
1: could probably take advice from that on how to look at other ways of defining connection and intimacy in their relationship.
0: Yeah. And then like, I think that's, what's really awesome about, at least for me, the asexual community is that you don't have to be asexual to use those linguistic tools. It's just, you know, if you write down on a piece of paper, like some people I uh, you know, maybe they want to have sex with men and women and non-binary people, but maybe they only want to ha- they only end up having romantic relationships or want romantic relationships with women. I'm sure there's lots of people that are like, well, I would have a a threesome with somebody, but I wouldn't want to date them. You know, like mm-hmm. I I I would fuck somebody at the bar, but I don't want to yeah. have a relationship with that person. You know, you still feel that spark and that connection with somebody and that feeling of love and that feeling of intimacy with that person. It just my my brain just kind of trails off at the bedroom part. Yeah.
1: And so do you, when do you have this conversation with a person that you're dating? I mean, you're in a relationship now, like, was this someone you met also through like the ACE community? Do you think it's possible for asexual to date non-asexual?
0: Yeah, well, uh, so I met my boyfriend before I really kind of had my, my re, <laughs> my re-realization. Uh, and so yeah. we, we've been dating for several months at that point. And, uh, I mean, I got really lucky with him specifically as a person, like he's just as a person is really awesome and amazing. And he knows that I love him so much. And he knows that, you know, our relationship is really important to me in the ways, you know, there's different love languages, you know, acts of service and gifts and words of affirmation and quality time and touch. And there's, and just like there's other ways to express your, you know, your feelings for somebody sexually, there's ways to do that in a normal relationship. And so, you know, when we do have sex, it's I like I have a good time. He absolutely wants me to have a great time, but for me it's more about it's another way that I can show my affection for him and my uh the way you know how much I love him and how I want him to feel good. And are there
1: times when you're really just like ugh the thought of like sex with someone does not sound good and it just feels like a task or oh, a that's chore? Most of, I- <laughs> okay. that's most of the time. Okay. Most of the time. Yeah, so how do you deal how do you one deal with that? Cuz like I said I don't, you know, forcing oneself to do something they don't want to do, but it sounds like you obviously are getting something out of it and enjoying yourself and like, like that it's something that your partner enjoys. But like, yeah, how do you end up enjoying yourself with that?
0: I mean, it's going to sound a little silly, but I genuinely enjoy making other people feel good. Like I le- and I like being good at sex. Like I like being good at giving a blowjob. I like knowing that when I go into, you know, a sexual encounter with somebody that I'm going to, mm-hmm. Blow their fucking mind and they're gonna walk away from that going, oh my gosh, she was real... that was like the, the car <laughs> to
1: the car wash. Like. Are we about to have a blowjob lesson here? Because I'm ready.
0: <laughs> I will say my my t- my tip is um you wanna get that the whole cock wet before you put your mouth on it, or at least the part of your cock, part of this cock that's going in your mouth, you wanna be wet before you put it in. Cause if it's dry, you're gonna get your lips caught on it. Just mm-hmm. just like I say, like you wouldn't put your dick in a dry pussy, it's gonna get snagged you don't put your don't put your mouth and on use your
1: use your hands always use oh, your hands yes
0: the, you gotta one hand on your balls one's a little uh yeah it's a whole it's a whole system
1: yeah <laughs> okay but anyway coming back to it you like knowing that the person is like enjoying themselves you like there's like a sense of um mastery or accomplishment when you're like damn i'm good at that yeah
0: i i like being good at stuff <laughs> i like having skills i don't know <laughs> <laughs> This episode is sponsored
1: by Field. The best part is I already had the app before they sponsored the show. And if you don't know, Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. You can download the Field app for free and support our show by using the link in the episode's description. And even better, when you use our link in the description on an iPhone, you'll get 50% off the first three months of Field's Majestic membership. Although originally designed to connect folks seeking threesome experiences, it's because a dating and friend-finding community for awesome, ethical, and honest people seeking to connect and explore their desires. I've met some awesome friends and play partners while using Field. I see you, Altadina Daddy. Don't worry, that's not his username. I know you're listening. The app is inclusive to all, no matter your gender or orientation. When you join, you can choose to identify from over 20-plus genders and sexualities. The New York Times even wrote that Field's options, quote, put the Kinsey sh- scale to shame. If you are tired of the heteronormative binary dating apps, then Field is definitely for you. Nonconformity and shame-free individuality is what Field is all about, and it's a great opportunity to explore yourself and your desires. Even more. And great news, you can download the Field app for free and support our show by using the link in this episode's description. Even better, when you use our link in the description, you'll get that 50% off for the first three months of Field's Majestic membership, which gives you premium features like seeing who has liked you. The Majestic discount only works on iPhones right now, but anyone with a smartphone can download Field for free today by clicking the link in the episode's description. And did you tell him early on um that like that was you know I guess you said you didn't really identify that way with him but like n- when you did realize that like was it a conversation you had to have like how is it how has it affected things
0: Yeah I mean of, of course I there was a there's a little bit of trepidation I I knew that it, it would probably be fine but that, that that is a thing to tell your partner that you're with that you don't feel like so for the most part, sexual attraction. Like, I think I've, like, I feel like I'm as attracted to him as like, my brain is capable of being like, I don't (laughs) think there's anything beyond what I feel for him, but at the same time, like, you know, does that feel to the other person? Like there's not the full spectrum of what they want or expect the partner to feel right yeah like did he did he take it personally because i imagine some people definitely i mean this is really a testament to him i really can't speak for how other people will who would respond in their relationships and i imagine like if your partner came to you and were like asexual i can imagine that would be really confusing and you know like what does that mean about our relationship do they only have sex with me you know there's all sorts of questions that can that can arise and I frankly got like the best case scenario because he was really good he was like oh like and I kind of ruminated for a couple weeks I wanted to be sure I didn't want to say something and then you know a month or two from now think about it a little more and you know feel like I had felt differently and so I sat on it for a little bit and I really was sure with myself that was that's how I feel. This is how I identify. And, you know, I just said to him, like, hey, I I kind of feel like I fall somewhere on the 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 asexual spectrum. And he was like, Oh, like, okay, like, do you want to talk about it? And so, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit and I explained how, you know, I still love him and I care for him and all of that that we just talked about. Um, and that it's it's not about him, it's not about whether or not I, if I was with someone different, I would feel differently. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that I am. And he loves me and accepts me. And it's honestly been great.
1: Well, he sounds lovely and He's supportive. Oh, <laughs> I love him.
0: He's the best.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad. And yeah, I imagine that, you know, for folks listening out there, there are situations where, where people that you're telling that to, like, don't understand or have preconceived notions or think that it's something about them which has more to do with their own insecurities but um yeah are there any what's been most helpful for you in terms of like finding that community online and, and getting more of this information like are there good resources you might recommend i mean
0: uh, aven a-v-e-n is like the classic uh like the og uh, asexual uh resource but i mean honestly like if you if you search on twitter asexual there's all sorts of people on reddit there's asexual communities um that are yeah, really, youtube youtube that are, that are readily available um i think that it's you know, cause it's small and yeah, like, you know, it's like, uh, there's dozens of us, you know, <laughs> it doesn't feel like there's all too many people, but once you get into that world and your algorithm on social media kind of adapts to what you're into, you, you see more of it and you, you know, everything that you see, sometimes you go in the comments and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Or I can see, I can relate to this on a way that I just, I didn't understand. I wasn't relating before, you know, because if you don't, I think every, you know, if when you're a kid or when you're younger, you just assume everybody thinks the way you do. Everyone feels the way that you do. I just assumed, for the most part, that what I was feeling was how everybody else was feeling a sexual attraction, and maybe I just hadn't found the right person yet. That's the that's the big one is you haven't found the right person. But at the same time, like I've never had a celebrity crush. I've never looked at, uh, you know, Chris Evans and been like, oh my god if i could see what would his <laughs> cock look like like i can think about maybe like he like he's attractive in the way that, or he's beautiful in yeah. the way that i look at like the statue of david by michelangelo mm-hmm.
1: like you can appreciate it i can appreciate like the, but you don't want to fuck it
0: <laughs> yeah exactly like when i look at look at the sistine chapel i can appreciate the the beauty of the human form and the beauty of anatomy and the way people are but yeah. i don't think about Adam's Adam's cock and <laughs> <laughs> that's so
1: funny in my um Maybe childhood I don't want to say childhood room but in my high school room I had a um a picture like a big giant portrait of the statue Adam above my bed next to a picture of Carmen Electra and I like had them both up there on my ceiling
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do have statue of David socks uh, oh love I that I will tell you you know like, like the museum socks that have uh, paintings on them you get them on mm-hmm. Wish for like a buck They're really good.
1: (laughs) I will. I will put that in the uh, in the write up of the episode. Please do. They're Um, great. (laughs) Some other folks I know use the term gray sexual. Um, Are you familiar with that term? And what what does that mean?
0: Yeah. So you know, as we talked about earlier, asexuality is a huge spectrum. Just like any other you know any other sexuality, any any other human experience really is on some. I think it's like a three dimensional spectrum. It's not X Y. It's X Y Z. It's All sorts of stuff. Um, So so gray sexual, to my understanding, is more of a catch-all gray area, like it says. You know, there's the absolute one side of the spectrum that's sex repulsed and the thought of touching somebody's genitals is horrific. And I I had a friend like that who, from an early age, was like, nope, no genitals near me, please and thank you. Yeah, and that might be the kind of
1: person who maybe needs to date someone else on that spectrum if their partner really requires genital touch with them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's different for, you know, every relationship is different and all that kind of stuff. But I I imagine that it probably is often more difficult if you're on that sex repulse side to date, I imagine. But, you know, there's people on the other side that are pretty open to, you know, sexual experiences. And so gray is generally in the middle, but it often can mean that maybe you've had sexual attraction to like one or two people ever or that maybe it's rare
1: it's rare to find yeah
0: like once once every five years maybe you have somebody that you're sexually attracted to but it's not a Mm -hmm. regular thing yeah
1: has there ever been that one person or that one thing for you where you were like if it were the thing this would be it
0: i mean like aside from the way that i feel about my boyfriend in general. Yeah,
1: like you said, that's as much as you can feel that your brain allows. I think
0: so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. Well, something that uh, I feel also probably plays on on some level is I have something called like aphantasia, where you don't really have a visual mind's eye. So, the like, like example, mm. the apple. When you close your eyes and you can see an apple, some people can smell it and taste it and touch it and feel it. For some people, it's a little hazy, but I literally don't have anything. It's like it's like the computer with the, the the screen off. Everything, all the information's there. I'm just not visually seeing it in my head. Huh. And so, how does that how does that affect things in your life? I mean, it's just the way that I am, so I don't really think about it but one the one way that I really actually figured out that that was what it was was when I close my eyes and I'm like next to somebody I basically have no concept of like where their limbs are and where their body is and I kind of lose the sense of proportion Mm. which is really weird I won't I won't lie it's very weird like I'll close my eyes or be in like a pitch black room with some you know with someone that I'm in bed with and Close my eyes like I and they're not touching me I literally am like I don't know how long their forearm is and where it connects to their upper arm Mm. it just is kind of disappears and I probably imagine that probably doesn't help you know if I was able to imagine other things in my head more vividly then maybe you know I would feel a little bit differently about the way that I experience things but I don't so I don't have that that additional component that other people do where they literally in their mind or can visualize having sex with strangers, which I couldn't visualize geese if I wanted to.
1: Wow. That's interesting. I wonder how, if there is a correlation between gray or asexuality and, and that, uh, what did, what did you call it? Aphantasia. Aphantasia. I do wonder if there's a correlation between the two, because I do think a lot of sexual desire comes from like fantasy and imagining things in that way.
0: i I honestly would wonder too. I know that um people that fantasia, you know, anecdotally seem like they have like an easier time moving on from events and relationships and people because they mm. don't ruminate in their head the visual of that person or that event or that experience. Um it's a little bit easier to not lay in, you know lay at night and see what it is that you're you just thinking about it but you're not I see yeah. I can't I can't really like understand I mean it. shit, maybe that's
1: more evolved in some ways. <laughs> to um, be able to not ruminate. I take I take some medication to help me not oh, ruminate I, so I, I, I don't ruminate, know. <laughs>
0: but just not visually, but not visually. It's all more like okay. concepts and ideas and a yeah. little bit more amorphous. Yeah.
1: So how do you think um this has like shaped the the sex work that you do? Not not just the aphantasia, but the asexuality like um yeah. How does it show up in, in your work? Because it sounds like you, um, yeah, have a successful online format.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, well, you know, I don't I don't have sex with anybody for my work specifically. Just not to say that I'm I'm not better than anybody. I'm not above it. It's just not something that I do in my content right now. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, just really like like with any other type of work, sex work isn't about who you're attracted to for the most part you know, people who do different kinds of sex work, like that are in person, you know, the stripper isn't coming up to you cause she thinks you're hot. You know, like the, the full service sex worker isn't always they're doing it's cause they're doing a good job and they're good at their work. Yeah. Like you're performing a service and you're providing a fantasy and providing something for somebody. And while obviously you want to be comfortable and safe, your personal attraction to that person and how much you genuinely want to fuck them isn't as relevant. That's why they're paying you is because you wouldn't do it for free. And so I think it allows me to be a little bit more uh, kind of outside the experience where I can look Mm -hmm. at it a little bit more analytically. Like I have a lot of clients that, um, you know, typically look a lot of older men that have kinks that they're maybe not very comfortable with, you know, it makes me kind of embarrassing or kind of, you know, tucked away in them and Mm -hmm. not you know, having really that personal component allows me to kind of insert myself into that fantasy pretty easily and help, you know, provide them with whatever fantasy they, they're they interested in.
1: Yeah. And does that, does the a- aphantasia ever come up with that when you're trying to like explore a fantasy or is that not affected?
0: I mean, and this is the way that I've always Ben. so I really don't know how it would hard be. to compare I, I just don't really know how it would be otherwise um mm-hmm. although I'm a big notes person so I take notes of my clients that call me um yeah. when I do phone sex you know because I like to remember things about them
1: and yeah well that's just thoughtful but it sounds like it's also helpful to to remember and it's also nice because reconnect.
0: for me you know I really like I really like my clients especially when I like talk to them but when it's just over chat it really is a lot of you know like pixels on the screen I don't Imagine as much the person on the other side, so it's a little bit easier for me to not take stuff personally. And I'm really lucky that I don't knock on wood, you know, have a lot of uh, negativity. But it's a little bit easier to remove yourself emotionally from that when you're not sitting there thinking, "What would this person think?" or "What would they look like?" or "What would they be like?" or anything really beyond the words on the on the screen. Yeah,
1: and I mean, you seem so so open and accepting to an array of different, like, people and things, and I'd be curious to know, like, what kinds of yeah what kinds of like fantasies or tucked away things have people felt comfortable sharing with you
0: oh i mean all sorts of stuff i mean yeah yeah.
1: like let's give let's give
0: some permission to uh, the other weirdos out there i (laughs) will say as long as you're not hurting anybody you do whatever you please uh but so obviously yeah and
1: even if you like hurting them just in your fantasy like as long as it's fantasy
0: long as you're not hurting anybody in the real world then like live your life do your thing uh I've had several clients request sneezing. That's always that's always okay. This I have not heard. Tell me more. Okay, so
1: I especially now with COVID, I'm like, is this is (laughs) this increase where it's like I just want someone to lick me all over and put droplets in my face?
0: I do (laughs) think that if somebody's into one uh, fetish, they kind of tend to have a almost like a cloud around them where there's other fetishes that are adjacent. So usually, Mm -hmm. like if you're into. farting you'll probably be into burping and probably into sneezing it's more about like bodily bodily but for sneezing the best way that i've ever had it described to me was uh one guy because i I kind of asked like oh like what draws you to that like what you know so i can build into that and play off of it and he said that he had a girlfriend who um she had seasonal allergies and she would sneeze and so she would sneeze during sex and her pussy would get tight and it felt really good (sighs) And so, yeah, he, yeah, I can see that. Basically, had like a Pavlov response to sneezing where he remembered his ex girlfriend and her tight pussy. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that, that makes sense. I, yeah, that makes sense. I'm with you. Like, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. I bet it was super tight.
1: I'm going to try to sneeze next time I'm having sex.
0: <laughs> see or what cough- that feels like. coughing also works? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that, I'm sure there's also like, you know all sorts of stuff seems to come from when people were younger i have one people I just
1: call oh wait so going back to the sneezing though yes. how do you explore that with clients is it more like you're i mean obviously different sex workers are going to do it differently yeah. but do you explain it do you just sneeze for him do you talk about the sneezing and is it all the above like how do you incorporate it
0: usually i mean it kind of depends some people kind of bury the lead and they'll wait till they're a little bit in and then kind of say what they're into yeah people, to see
1: if they can trust you and feel yeah, comfortable with
0: you yeah some people get right into it which is awesome love a good five minute heavy breathing call totally fine um, and so obviously it's always up to people but i really like i ask a lot of questions because i the more that i know the better i can fulfill whatever it is that you want or sometimes i think genuinely people don't even like know what they want they mm-hmm. know that there's like things that turn them on and make them horny. Yeah. But but maybe no one's ever asked them or they've never asked themselves. Or they've never explored it in like a constructive thoughtful way where they've sat down and gone, "Okay, what is it that turns me on? Why is why do I feel that way? You know, why do I feel this way for this thing but that way for that thing?" And
1: and sometimes we don't know and we'll never know yeah, and like that's fine too, but definitely interesting. But
0: it, but at least in my experience that lack of exploration seems to come from an amount of shame and not really having a good outlet to explore that with, you know, a lot of people that mm-hmm. call me specifically, you know, tend to be older. Some of them are married or, you know, have ne- aren't in a position to have long-term relationships. Like they have weird, you know, lifestyles that don't allow for normal, you know, being around at waking hours or whatever it is. Uh, so there isn't an outlet for that, you know, and I'm, I'm a hell of a lot cheaper than seeing a full service sex worker in person. So, and it's, I think the phone provides a level of anonymity where you can just kind of talk to a stranger and get your feelings out. And, you know, the line's not monitored or else they'd have to legally tell you so they don't monitor it. So you can kind of say whatever yeah. you want. And I think a lot of the times people are looking for a connection and just someone to talk to and say, like, this is how I feel. And I just want somebody to acknowledge that and say that it's not weird.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. So we've got the sneezing. What else? And if anyone hears this noise in the background, my dog is snoring. So if that's your fetish, (laughs) you're in luck. (laughs) Turn
0: it up. You're in luck. Well, um, I mean, I had a, I had a guy who called me all the time. He's great. And he was really into like fur coats. Mm. yeah well that was awakened by jerking off into his grandmother's fur glove so you know it's different stories we love it um she had this man
1: young people are so oh i don't know if he was young when he first did it but like young people are so creative the amount of ways i've heard people figure out like their masturbation stuff early on like i i would like all of us as adults to be that creative oh yeah like i knew someone who used to put a ziploc bag full of conditioner between their uh, mattress box spring whatever <laughs> and the mattress, and then fuck that. And it's like, oh my god, great, how creative! I love it.
0: We we gotta be, you gotta be creative. I love that. Yeah, I figure, I found that I really liked the pole at the park oh see i'm a leg crosser like i like to uh to grind on something between my legs but that you can do with the pole at the park because (gasps) you have your legs crossed around it you're very smart that that's very smart i I guess
1: you're probably not allowed to do it now
0: that you're an adult like
1: masturbating on the pole at the park in front of children
0: throw pillow is is kind of the perfect thing
1: Yeah, but um, okay. So fur coat person who
0: got it from jerking off into their grandma's fur uh or glove gloves. And I the main fantasy, and I, I assume this was a fantasy because I can't imagine he actually like you know fucked his college professor. But the but the maybe, maybe maybe I don't know. He, it was a different time when he went to college. He was he was older, and uh, basically he like the fantasy or what the story was that um he like jerked off in. To his college professor's coat in her office. And then she like kind of caught him. And then they had, you know, an awkward interaction. And then <sighs> later on, he's at her house for something. And he essentially teaches her how to pleasure herself with the fur. Because apparently uh fur feels amazing uh on your vagina. Hmm. Apparently it's awesome.
1: Well, there are, I'm just thinking of all those, uh, butt plugs for people out there who don't know. There's some lovely butt plugs with attachments that are like fur tails and things like that. So, um, go get some fur and find out if that is a thing for you. Uh, what it, or, fo- or faux fur, if faux you're fur.
0: vegan. <laughs> go yeah. to the thrift store, get a vintage fur yeah. coat, whatever you need. But
1: See, f- I'm like a germaphobe. I don't know if I want vintage fur coat on my pussy, but like, if that works for you, go for it. Whatever
0: you need, whatever you need. <laughs> but yeah, so he was really into that. Um, Interesting. See, uh, of course you get the usual. Uh, my usual clientele tends to be cuckolds. Mm, okay, that, that's the
1: most popular. That is
0: primarily what I deal with I think I think night flirt and foam sex lines for whatever reason tend to attract more submissive men it seems to be that doms and dominant mm. women and dominant men tend to do the best on those sites uh I think because there is that level of anonymity and you're you know you don't have another outlet for it and this is kind yeah. of a, a unique you
1: think it's because then you're helping people who do have that shame like to work through it in a more like dominant assertive way
0: yeah yeah I tend I the idea of frankly, to, of being submissive to my clients is horrific. I I can't imagine anything worse than mm. being submissive for uh, my clients. I just, it grosses me out. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. What, what is
1: it about that? Cause obviously there are people who are professional submissives, but oh, not yeah. for you.
0: I, I just think that in general, my audience, when you, uh, when you're a sex worker, at least in my experience, if you attract a more dominant of uh, clientele they can just be like more difficult to deal with because they're trying to be mm. dominant so they're trying to get free stuff out of you they're trying to dom you for free they're trying to push boundaries and see what they mm, get almost like with. they're doing you a favor for yeah they for think calling. that because they're being dominant they're doing you a favor because you're being submissive and i just
1: it, i don't know if that's dominant or just nar- narcissists <laughs> I, I mean you know for some of these people or, yeah what is the overlap what's, there
0: what's, what's the venn diagram here yeah um <laughs> But I prefer submissive men because I just find they're nice to work with. They tend to be older and they tend to spend more. And I just, I I really just enjoy dealing with them better. I find that Dominant men are just a pain in the ass, frankly. Um. <laughs> and I
1: have talked about cuckolding a bit on the uh, podcast. I can't recall exactly which episode, maybe one with uh, Dr. David Lay, uh, The Myth of Sex Addiction. Oh, but I have for so folks- many thoughts about cuckoldry.
0: I am <laughs> yes. Yeah, so for folks turning in
1: for the first time, t- explain
0: cuckolding a little bit. Oh, s- I love a good cuck. Uh, cuckoldry is essentially when... You want, uh, either you want to watch or you want to know or you want to have maybe like the mystery of uh, your wife or your partner or the object of your desire, say like a girl that you have a, a crush on or something, having sex with another man. Usually it's, in my experience, it's been about the you can't satisfy her so the other man is doing it better because you couldn't do it. And that's essentially your way as the inferior man of like giving her what she deserves sexually Mm. yeah
1: and this is different from hot wifing or hot partnering for listeners which is like you like watching your partner with someone but there isn't this aspect of necessarily degradation or comparison yeah
0: a lot of cuckoldry is primarily about Someone else is fucking your partner or whoever because you Because they can do it better. Because they can do it better. You're either your Do you think it's like the eroticized like trauma
1: of having not pleased someone or feeling like you didn't please someone?
0: Yeah, it seems like it's a way and everyone's different. Low self esteem is almost horseshoeing itself back into I can satisfy my partner by giving this gift to them, giving almost Mm. like this gift of letting them have sex with other people. But at the same time, they want a lot of them want their wife to be the dominant one where they don't have power. And so they want maybe they want to be in a cock cage and they want to be submissive to their wife. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's about their wife is actually the one who's in control, maybe secretly, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't tell anybody at work, but your cock's been locked in a cage for a month or she goes out twice a week with what they usually call the other man who's fucking for her better is the bull. That's usually what they call it she has a bowl that she goes out with this 10 times a week. And maybe, you know, you do this while she's gone. Or I have, a I have this theory that I think there's a certain level of cuckolding for some people that is almost a way to explore an attraction to masculinity or to men, because I mm. find that a lot of cuckold. I'm sure
1: that's part of it for
0: some people. A lot of cuckolds are, are more focused on, on the dicks and the men than they are the women they don't want to mm. talk about the way that the woman looks when she's getting fucked they don't want to talk about how it feels for her they want to talk about how big his dick is and how it looks going in her and if they can suck his cock when he's done fucking their wife mm.
1: so like if it's in the safe space of involving the female partner there's like more permission to yeah, and almost eroticize like, the male maleness
0: and almost like kind of like a Consensual, non-consent. Like, oh, I'm being forced into this. I don't want to suck his dick, but my my wife is making me. You know, I think there's that level of it takes away that level of control where I don't have to make the choice to suck this guy's Mm -hmm. dick. It's Mm -hmm. something that's foisted upon me. Or I find that Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, men, like if I, you know, because I play into that, and I go, oh, like, you know, you want to suck his cock? Would you? you know how does cock look in your ass you know whatever it is see if there's they want to go further with it and i find that a lot of them don't want to have anything in their ass they just want to look at a cock or suck a cock or touch one but they don't want something in their ass and i think that may sometimes be a little bit probably contradictory because it's like well i'm not gay because i don't want someone to fuck my ass but at the same time i really want to suck a guy's cock so i think it's like a safe space to allow for exploring that.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. I oh my gosh. That. We've covered so many, so many good things. I told <laughs> you I love a cup.
0: It's so fascinating.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I have one friend who, uh, and for listeners out there, you mentioned cock cage. So it's basically what it sounds like. It is a device, uh, a chastity device of sorts that you can put a penis or, and or testicles into so that someone physically cannot, either touch themselves and or get hard or erect. um and i had a friend who was dominant with their submissive partner who had a penis and um he was like a an actor who would go on a lot of like um like children's show (laughs) auditions (laughs) oh my god and he would sometimes she would sometimes have him be wearing it and he would happen to have these auditions um and so it would be like little did the disney producers know he was wearing a cock cage while he's auditioning for disney
0: i mean at least she wouldn't have like an inconvenient (laughs) errant boner right yeah <laughs> like at least he wouldn't accidentally get a, a gust of wind and then have to awkwardly hope he doesn't get called next yeah. seems kind of smart yeah so
1: next next time you are uh, just walking around town just maybe think about like mm, i wonder who here is running a cock cage because they might be
0: you never know
1: <laughs> oh my gosh ellie this was so wonderful i'm so glad that you reached out um how can folks Uh, get in touch, hire you, um, cuck fantasy with you, paid,
0: um, and all of that jazz. Well, I am Ellie, E-L-L-I-E, next door, like your neighbor, Ellie next door, one, uh, everywhere, like Twitter, uh, you know, Night Flirt, Reddit, uh, OnlyFans, uh, all my OnlyFans, I post a full-length nude masturbation video every single day, if you'd like to see that, um, and i'm around on my night flirt uh i was on my link tree and you can get a hold of me it's on my twitter bio it's everywhere and i think if you call me you're gonna have a great time <laughs>
1: I agree. Well, I enjoyed talking to you. Um, thank you so much. And listeners, uh, if you would like to follow what I'm doing, again, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review and check out those advertiser discounts because the more you support the advertisers, the more you support the podcast. Thank you so much.